0: Everyone, Kelly cavallera here, along with John Robinson, also known as Mr. Showcase. Whoop, whoop. And uh, this is a new podcast we decided to do. It's called Controversial Conversations. Say that five times real fast. Controversial conversations. <laughs> Controversial. Oh, never mind. I can't do it. <laughs> um We want to do something fun and uh discuss some topics. Uh, if you follow the Honky Tonk Highway or the John Robinson Show, we both like to touch on stuff that we feel is important to the line dance world. That many people are afraid to ask so we wanted to bring you a series of podcasts with some topics that we feel pretty relevant and need to be addressed so um (laughs) we apologize now if uh, anybody does get offended i don't apologize (laughs) that's why i like working with john um (laughs) so we decided to go with something very nice for Episode one, topic one, and um, it's something we feel that needs to be addressed and needs to be talked about because we don't think it is given enough importance. Is that a word way to put it? And um, that is, uh, what do you expect from instructors? And we want to take two angles of this: what do attendees expect from instructors, and what do event directors expect from an instructor
1: when you're hiring them? And so, to be so to be clear, we're talking about when you attend an event like a dance workshop, whether it's a day workshop or a full weekend type event, what are your expectations of the instructors that the event directors are bringing in to entertain you? Right. Like do you expect them to be up all night dancing till the wee hours of the
0: morning. If it's an event like that, that goes till five, six AM. Do you expect them to be bringing their own choreography and not teaching someone else's? You expect them to be there the entire time the event is from start to finish. Stuff like that. We, I, I feel that it's not the same for everybody.
1: <laughs> and I agree. Uh, Kelly and I were just discussing this a few minutes ago and there are certain instructors who are brought in who are being paid a certain amount of money but if It seems to me, and I work with these people, so I have pretty first-hand knowledge of this, it seems to me that they are not expected to provide the same amount of work or dedication to the event as other people. And that, I think, is a big issue.
0: Uh, Agreed. Um, I see this a lot when I'm doing my video list for the video to record the workshops. You'll see one instructor teach four and the next instructor teach 14. Or... Even if it's on the same level, one instructor has five, six, seven workshops. One has still has the four. It, it it's stuff like that. Or the one instructor has teaching eight workshops, judging choreography, writing the show. Not to mention the guy that's sitting next to me or nothing <laughs> like that. And then you have other instructors who come in and do three workshops. Call and a, call disappear. a weekend. <laughs> yeah. right? Call and a disappear. weekend. Um, and. I know. I know. Sometimes it's hard. Like I, I've been with event directors that will get text and emails at one o'clock in the morning, wondering where the instructors are, why they're not in open dancing. Um, first of all, I'm gonna say it's one o'clock in the morning. Second of all, instructors are human. Um, you got to give them a little bit of a break. They're allowed to sleep. Um, no, we're not. <laughs> well, we were talking. We were talking about this earlier. Um, It's hard to ask somebody to be up at eight o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock in the morning, whatever time the event starts. Go all day, maybe have to find time to grab lunch for 20 minutes in in between of all the workshops and stuff. Go to show practice, throw down food and shower, and then be back for open dancing when it opens, and then dance all night. And then come back and do it again. I understand they're hired to do a job, but they are human. But also, if you're going to expect that out of one, you need to expect that out of everybody on your staff, not just three.
1: And I feel like that's where it's... There's a disparity. Huge. Yes. So from my perspective, I have a great perspective on this, Kelly, because I do this every week. Right. And I've worked with a lot of these uh, different instructors. We're also seeing a new crop of instructors coming up, some of the newer people. And it's very interesting to me to see their reaction when they say, I didn't realize it was this much work to do a big dance event. You know, They thought you just come in, you teach your class, and then you just can you know hang out and have fun, like you would if you were a paying attendee. You come in, you take the workshops you want, you can lay down when you want, you can go drink when you want, you can go eat when you want. It's not like that for the event staff. Uh, because of the expectations. So a couple things I want to touch on. Number one, you're absolutely right. Some of us get the first class in the morning. So we have to be down there. Let's say the first teaches 9 a.m. Well, I can't get up at 845 and rush downstairs to be ready to teach. I've got to get up earlier than that, you know, get ready, have breakfast, hopefully, take a shower, get dressed, do my workout, whatever, um, then be ready to teach. After that, can't just run back up to my room and go back to bed, right? The event has started, people want to talk to you, Mm -hmm. uh, people have questions, perhaps I'm also judging a competition that day, so I have to be ready to do that. Perhaps we have a show, a lot of the big events have a show, and in the case of me, when I choreograph and and coordinate the show, the other staff members are then coming to me saying, oh, will you help me out with my number, and will you you help me learn this, or whatever. Um, And of course, the other staff members are doing that as well, trying to practice for the show in between So there's a lot expected of us, and as we talked a little earlier, you know, I said a lot of instructors actually have introverted type personalities. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot of work to be on, and when you're at an event, you need to be on all the time. You never know when somebody's going to walk up to you with a question, or walk in, can I take a picture, or you know, um, oh you taught the blah 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 dance and it was so fun, and then they engage you in conversation for maybe eight minutes. Uh, you always have to be ready to entertain. You really can't let your guard down, especially now with everybody running around with cell phones, you know, at any moment, someone might snap a picture of you and it might be unflattering. So you always have to think, am I smiling? Do I look engaged? Um, That's a big, that's, that's a lot of expectation. So we do need downtime. I don't think it's reasonable to expect every instructor to be there all day long and all night long. We need a break sometimes, and attendees need to understand that. Event directors also need to understand that, because sometimes people, sometimes an event director will be like, why aren't you in my ballroom? Well, what if you have three ballrooms? Right. I can't be physically in three ballrooms at once. So I might get engaged, let's say, in the beginner ballroom and be having mm-hmm. a blast for two and a half hours and not be in your main ballroom. And then the DJ of the main ballroom complains that you're not in the main
0: <laughs> ballroom, and they're right. like, well... I was in this ballroom. Well, that's not your job. Well, yes, it is your job. Your right. job is to entertain the guests, no matter what ballroom it's in, not just the main ballroom. Exactly. I've seen that happen. And, and I'm touching back on the, the newer instructors. Guys, at, I've had in the last couple of events being back from the pandemic. I've, I've dealt with all y'all. For all of you that say, you coming in and said, well, I didn't know I had a dance in a show. You've been coming to dance <laughs> events for 10-plus years as attendees. You know darn well that every instructor dances in a show. Don't act surprised. That that I laugh at that. I I, I I I actually did laugh at that at the marathon when someone was complaining like I didn't know I had to do videos and a show and I had show practice. I go, you've been attending events for how long? I go, you know exactly what's I go what the instructors go through. You talk with them. You know them all. I go, I don't get that. You know what you're getting into when you become an instructor. Straight up. Yeah, it's that's that's a different that's a different beast on its own. You should know you should know going in. And like John has said, when he goes in, he comes into an event, 100% prepared to do whatever it needs to be for the, the event director wants. Don't act surprised when you say, oh, we're doing a show on Saturday night?
1: I didn't know we did a show here. Really? <laughs> or how much work it is. So I'll <laughs> right. touch on that a little bit. What I don't think event attendees realize at some of these big conventions, the show practice alone can eat up a lot of our time. Yes. Hours, in fact, and I will mention, this is called controversial conversations for a reason. I'm not going to hold back. So we did the marathon one year and we literally had no time to eat because show practice took so long. Open dancing was about to start. We had no, we had just barely had enough time to run to our rooms, take a shower and come back down to do what we're supposed to do, entertain the crowd and be there to lead the dances that we taught. Um, And then the next night was the same way, another Mm -hmm. three and a half hours of practice or whatever, and you barely have any time to breathe. Um, So that's an aspect to keep in mind as well. When you're at an event and there's a big show going on, that takes hours of work, even beyond the practice that we're having in the ballroom. You're out in the hallway practicing with your peeps, you know, you're in your room trying to practice your part. Sometimes we're, we're supposed to be embodying a character if we talk about Jamie Marshall's show in Fort Wayne yeah. you know it's often we're we're supposed to be a a character we're we're and we do that at other events as well where it's a theme so you've got to be a certain character well you have to practice do you, are you doing also are you doing voiceovers yeah. you have to allow enough time to go to JP's room and do yeah. your voiceovers that takes a while especially if it's a group scene and everybody has to do, has to talk then you have to get everybody you know how hard it is to coordinate a bunch of instructors you're all Around a teaching
0: schedule, video (laughs) schedule, open dancing, when JP has to be behind a DJ booth, people arriving because we try to get as much stuff done. People wonder why some of us get to the events early. We try to get as much of the pre-work done before the event starts because me as a videographer, I don't want to take the instructors away from the the attendees any more than I absolutely have to. I don't. That's why we don't do full teaches. We do the walkthroughs. They're quick. They're easy. And I try and I, I reuse them. I try not to take away the instructors from the attendees, but sometimes it doesn't have a choice, but coordinating it is is a beast, especially like I remember j p and Fort Wayne having to try to coordinate everybody right and it's 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 rough it it I think that brings up another topic of the amount of time instructors give to the event mmm. Like when they arrive and when, and when they, they leave. Depart. depart. Oh, yes,
1: let's talk about that.
0: It's like <laughs> I find it I find it funny. Everybody knows when they sign a contract what they're signing a contract for. They're signing a contract for the event weekend, not the event two days. <laughs> and I I feel like I feel like some people take advantage of it. I really do. I feel like some people take advantage of of possibly their status and as a, as an instructor and get away with it and but they expect it out of they they expect just to be given that 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 kind of that freedom
1: what we're talking about here to be more specific (laughs) is staff members who book their flights before the event is actually finished um I am one of the people and so people can say, Oh well you drive. Well also I might have driven two days to get there and I have a two day drive back home, so it would be great if I could leave a little bit earlier, uh, rather than later in the day. So that's not really that's not really a valid argument. What we're talking about is somebody who, let's say, doesn't have a full time job and can't seem to get to the event in time to do the demos on Thursday night or Friday night, whenever whenever whatever, however the event is is doing that. They can't book their flight in a way that they're already there when the event has started, which I think is super important. You should be there when it started or as close to the start as possible. Now, we all understand, especially now with the way flights are, that this can be an issue. But if you know you have the time and you know you have to be there by a specific time, book your flight accordingly. Then there are the people that book their flights out at 4 a.m. on Sunday or 6 a.m., whatever the earliest time they can get out versus staying if you have a job you need to get back home to that makes sense i understand it but we're talking about those instructors specifically who don't have any reason to rush out to get home but again i this is me if you
0: want to be in this industry and you you're wanting to to be known it should be important enough for you to take that time off of your day job to take time for the people you signed a contract to work for right i that's just me if, if you're wanting to be in this industry if you want to take and i'll say this those this way if you want to take up someone else's spot that is willing to put in the time and willing to put in the effort to only give maybe 40 50 60 percent of the effort in the time how is that right how is that fair to them how's that fair to someone else that's i get you we still have to make a living i get it and stay home and make
1: that living. Right, I call it, I call it your level of commitment to the event. Um, so what I, what the, I host an event, I've hosted many events. What that says to me, if you're going, now if you, again, if you have to get home because you have to go to work the next morning, I totally understand. If you do not, then why are you trying to get out of half a day of work? Um, why are you not allowing me to schedule you on Sunday when I know you have no reason to be home by Sunday evening? I call that your level of commitment to the event. When I work an event, I'm there. I'm dedicated to that event from the moment it starts until the moment it ends. If you're going to be an A-list instructor, as we call them, then give me A-list dedication and commitment to the event. Show me that you're there to work my event full on from start to finish. Don't be like, oh, well, I have to leave at 6 a.m. because, you know, I didn't want to deal with whatever your excuse is for when you have no reason, you know what I'm saying, Kelly? Yeah, When you exactly. have no reason to actually get home Sunday, you could have gone home Monday. It's not an issue. Because you do it for other events. Exactly. It, it, it bother, it, I see this because I'm usually the last person at events on Sunday, and I usually get scheduled to teach the last workshop because event directors know I'll be there to the end. Now, again, you might say, well, you drive. You can stay till the end. That doesn't mean I want to. It doesn't mean I want to be there for, you know, Thursday noon to Sunday 4 p.m. Of course, I'll be exhausted, too. I'll be tired. Maybe I want to go home early. But my commitment is to the event. While I'm there, I'm going to work that event start to finish, beginning to end. And I feel there are instructors at a certain level who don't give that commitment. But yet they're also event directors, and they might expect that out of you. They expect you to work their event start to finish... But they come to a workshop and, oh, I have you know, well, I want to be home by Sunday 2 p.m., so I have to have a 6 o'clock flight out. How is that okay? I, I even see this out of out of
0: up-and-comers. They automatically think, oh, well, they, all these people do it. I can just demand the same thing. No. Prove your worth. I, 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 you know, and this is the, the funny thing on this. I I hear this out of event directors, and I guess this is this is i don't i don't know this is a a, a new age thing that a bunch of us up and comers haven't proven ourselves yet and we haven't put in the put in the time we haven't put in the effort well no offense we're putting in more effort than a lot of people and they're getting booked and we you wonder why you 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 wonder why people walk away that that right there they're only going to take so much this is not 1987 this isn't where there was no internet, there was no video, there was no copper knob, there was no line dancer web. You don't need to do, go to an event for everybody to see you for exposure anymore. You don't. It's, it's just not a thing. Um, I, for, for those event directors who think that works, I'm sorry. It's just not. I can post a video right now and get everyone knowing me. And here's the thing, as an event director, and I think John will agree with me this, If you're calling up an instructor, email an instructor, texting an instructor, messaging a choreographer to say, hey, would you be interested in coming to my event? You should expect the next words to be from out of your mouth, well, what is your fee? Mm -hmm. Or you should expect that person saying, well, my fee is this. It will cost you this. Don't call someone or message someone and expect them to drop everything they're doing, to drive to fly across country on their dime to work for four days.
1: Mm. <laughs> that's thats a very good point, too, because again, this, this then applies to the event director's expectations of staff. I've done this for decades, right? It's almost three decades now. And this is a whole podcast episode in and of itself <laughs> <laughs> about how event directors treat their staff. But just to touch on it lightly, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but to touch on it lightly, I give more than 100 percent to the events that i work i always have that's my work ethic that's you hire me i'm going to come in and give you mr showcase full on start to finish however some event directors don't seem to appreciate that um and they will i don't not sure the right word to use but they'll try to weasel their way out of certain contractual things like well we can't afford you pay you this much or we can't give you okay I'll be blunt I'll say it right out marathon the event starts at noon on Thursday my contract says you must be here by noon on Thursday for me that's a 13-hour drive from where I live which means I have to leave the night before and stop somewhere so I have an overnight stay plus my my travel expense to get there yet the event doesn't want to give me a room for that earlier night So i said i really need to come in wednesday night so then i'm there thursday at noon i'm ready to work you can have me teach the first lesson that way well they didn't want to do that so how is that right you you tell me i have to be there by noon but you're not going to make that possible right. right? then give me a room Wednesday night I said, and I had a discussion with the event directors you all know who they are <laughs> but we talked about it and I said you have people here already on Wednesday you have internet, international staff here on Wednesday so don't tell me you can't give me a room on Wednesday put me with one of them or however you need to make it work um, why should it be different for me because I'm driving there um, so there's these, these weird disparities in how they actually even treat their own staff but what they expect of you, you know, to provide yeah. them. Right. That's,
0: and, and I find it funny you say that. I, I love it because at same type of events, I'll, I send out a message usually to all the instructors saying, hey, get with me. I'm available starting here. I already did the floor. We can get your videos out of the way. Well, I don't get in here here, and then I have to go right to show practice. I go, I know you're supposed to be here by noon. Or I know you're already here last night because you checked into the hotel. But – I love it when I get the message back. Oh well, I want to take this class here. I want to be with, go to lunch with this friend here, guys. I, I, I'm on. I'm. I've said this. I said this at marathon, and I I told this to John already. Um, instructors, you have five five things in my opinion, and that you have to do at an event. Five. You're contractually obligated, and in, in that, mostly five things. Show up and teach your classes. One. That that should be the no brainer. Your orange are contracted to be an instructor. 2. Show up to open dancing. That's that's another no-brainer. Show up and mingle. 3. Be halfway nice to the attendees. And I say halfway nice because we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> 4. Show up to do your videos. If I'm there, you already know you're doing videos because that's what the event wants. 5. Dance in the show if there is a show. That's it. And don't complain about it. And, and Well, exactly. <laughs> you signed up to do these five things. You signed a contract that states, I will do these five things. Now, if you didn't get a contract with your event director, that's on you. But you have five jobs. You're getting paid. It's way less of a list of things you have to do for your money than at your day job. I'm pretty sure of it because most day jobs have a nice long list of handbook that you must do to do your job. I don't understand how hard that is. I really... It baffles me. It does. It baffles me. Like, I I love it when I show up and I... Like John, I'm usually bringing the floor a lot of places. Or if I know I have a lot of stuff to do, like Vegas, I know we have to film two videos of every dance because we're doing a demo to put on the TV. I get there early. Doug and Jackie don't have a problem with me getting there early. They know I'm doing a job. My goal is to get the job done before halfway through the event because that's what they want. I know what instructors are there. Why? We're all in the same hotel. We're going to run into each other. We're going to see each other. We're going to, we're, oh, the first thing every instructor does is check into their room and then go walk the ballrooms and see who's here. It's 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 a common thing. It's that or they go to the bar. <laughs> they know the two places the instructors are going to be. The ballrooms or the bar.
1: Remind me to touch on the bar later. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: it's 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 pretty easy. I know you're there, so when I message you, don't sit there and tell me, "Well, I'm not available to do them yet." Really? You you're not there. Yes, the event directors want you to have a good time. The event directors want you to mingle with the staff. You're there to do a job, though, and and I think a lot of people forget that. Mm.
1: So you wanted to touch on the bar. Well, we'll <laughs> get to the bar in a second because there's two. There actually are two aspects about the bar I want to talk about. But uh, as far as the videotaping goes, it is part of almost every workshop and event that you're going to need to film a little video notebook walkthrough of what right. you taught. Now, sometimes we have a brand new dance that we've not taught it yet. So then it's much easier to do the video after you've taught it for that first time because you know how you're going to you know explain everything and walk through the steps. However, you also know that you planned on teaching this dance at this event for you know, probably a couple weeks now, so you should have practiced that at home a little bit <laughs> and be ready. Uh, and you know, you just know it's something that you have to do, so be ready to do it. Back to the bar. So there's two aspects to this, and this was percolating through my head when I was talking about how we're, the staff is expected to do certain things and what the event attendees expect of us. So I want I'm going to touch on a couple aspects of this. Now, kids, we all know that you're the reason why we're there. The paying customers, why we have these events. The paying customers, why we as instructors have a job. I totally get it. Having said that, I also want to point out, and this is from personal experience, that it's not all about you. And what I mean by that is people come to the events and try to impose their particular, um, I'm not sure of the right word to use, um, I hadn't thought about how I was going to present this so I'll give you an example a very 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 good friend of mine one of my best friends wore shirts t-shirts with funny slogans on them that was his thing he wore them everywhere every event he went to he wore those at one of the events that we worked together somebody complained about the sayings on his shirts that they found them offensive so he was asked not to wear them again and that bothered him so much that he actually got rid of all his shirts um he said he, I don't remember if he threw him in the trash or whatever he did with them. And I said, but that's part of your personality. That should. That doesn't affect your ability to be a good instructor and a good entertainer. Just because this, and it wasn't, trust me guys, it wasn't anything that was in your face bad. Right. It was. They were just humorous. They were humorous. I think a lot of people have lost their sense of humor these days, but that's a whole other topic. So that leads me to the bar issue. There's two aspects to the bar issue. Number one we, as staff, are under a lot of pressure to perform um, constantly. Like I said, you always have to be on. So every now and then, we want to escape. Maybe we want to go have a beverage. Sometimes we do it by going to the bar. Sometimes we have beverages with us. So attendees are allowed to drink. Now, there's the other aspect of it. There's a difference between just having enough to be comfortable, if that's your thing. I know some people don't drink, and that's perfectly fine. Some people do. There's a difference between having one to like, soothe your nerves, you've been busy all day, you just needed to relax, and going a little too far with it. Um, and I think that's probably an expectation that we should talk about as well. There's a difference between having fun and getting out of control. <laughs> so we all know, we've all been in events where some of the staff just goes a little too far. I've done it myself occasionally, but I don't make a habit of it. And if you end up making a fool of yourself, then I think that's not good. If you're a professional in the industry, you have to be aware of that too. But guys, keep in mind, there's a lot of pressure on us to be on. So it does it does get to the point where sometimes you just need, you're like, I can't deal with this. You might have a drink or two, and maybe have one too many and get a little silly. Uh, so be aware that we are under pressure. I'm not saying this as an excuse. I'm saying that sometimes it just makes us more comfortable. And I, you know, hanging out with Kelly or any of my friends, we, we, even my own event, Dancing Up a Storm, last week, my co-host, my co-event director, Karen Hedges, on Saturday night, after everything's been pulled off without a hitch, we go to the bar and we have a celebratory drink. Yay, we yeah. did it. Everything went well. Cool. You know, we sit there and chat about like what, what went wrong or what we could have done better or what we might change for next year. And then we go back to the crowd. Um, so that's an issue we need to think about as well both from both aspects the crowd judging the staff yep. versus the crowd being accepting that we're humans and sometimes we make mistakes or sometimes we go a little too far um that's another issue too i've been i'm going to go off on a little a little story here you know i've worked events all over yep with all different crowds people of all different political persuasions religious persuasions I like chocolate, I don't like chocolate. <laughs> I I like hip hop dances, I don't like hip hop, I prefer country. I work with people of all arenas of life. My goal is to entertain you and make you all happy. But I'm not your puppet. Puppet, right? So I am me. I will be John Robinson. I I actually got complained about at an event that was held here in Florida. I'm not sure I should say which one but um, I remember I remember this. I know, I know what story
0: you're going with here right. I know
1: I remember I remember this happening. I was in the workshop <laughs> when this happened. I was in the ballroom. So I was taking a workshop with Madison Glover. Actually, I'll tell you what it was. It was power mix which I love I love that dance and there's a little part of power mix for those of you that know it where you do a little hip roll thing kind of like a little hip grindy thing. Well I'm in the back of the room where I usually hang out. Sometimes I go way up front so I can see the instructor. A lot of times I go in the back because I know I can be distracting. Not on purpose, that's just my, my, you know me. You know me if you know my personality. I like to be silly and have fun. And I learn better when I'm being silly and having fun versus being serious. So I'm in the back, not trying to distract anybody. We get to the little hip thing. We're facing the back wall. I put my foot up on a chair and I do the little hip grindy section, the little hip rolly section. Well, the event director, Jen Cameron, Got an email from four people who said that my behavior was so disgusting they had to leave the ballroom and they couldn't shop my store. This is a good topic for controversial conversations, isn't it? So, <laughs> so, uh, but that wasn't the only thing they complained about. I want to make that clear. They also complained about a host of other issues uh, in the emails. Jen contacted me and said, I have never gotten a complaint about you. Do you know what this is about? And I said, I have no idea. I really don't know. I said, you're going to need to give me more information because I have no idea what I would have done to offend these people. So she she sent me the the email, blocked out the people's names. So I don't know who made the complaint, but I know what they wrote. And basically they said, you know, my actions in the back of the room were obscene and offensive and they had to leave. Um... Long story short, they just wanted to complain about a lot of stuff. My job is to be funny and entertaining and make a good experience for the crowd, wherever I'm at. Mm -hmm. Beginner room, improver room, intermediate room, open dancing, judging, competition, whatever, um, and to be a professional about it. And I think I do that job pretty damn well. So. I did not feel bad about that complaint and I told because I said to Jen, what do you do you want me to say something to these people because I'm not going to apologize. I did nothing wrong. And I even asked several people without the context of the situation. I just said, "If I were to do this, put my foot on a chair and do this hip roll, would you be offended?" And every single person I showed it to, young, old, man, woman, there were children. Oh, they said, "Oh, there were children in the class and I shouldn't have done that." Well, the young person who was in the class was dancing right na- two lines away from me and laughed hysterically, because they know my pers- my personality and my nature. They right. did not find it offensive. So everybody, without question, people outside the dance community, I said, if I did this, would you be offended? They said, no, you're just rolling your hips. What's the big deal? I said, well, some people were offended. So keep in mind too, from, from a, a staff member's perspective, that you have to cut us a little bit of slack every now and then, right? Um, I'll just stop there because I could go on and on. The funny, funny that
0: that so the same event, I was DJing the the beginner slash all request room, and on Saturday night, we never open up the room until after the show and after the raffle. We never do. It, it's just how it is because there's no sense of taking everybody out of the room to dance and then making them get up, go back in for the show, then leave again for 40 minutes or whatever to 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 start it, and then go back in for the rap, the the, the drawings, the 50 50, the raffle, the awards. So, mind you, we don't open the ballroom until probably close to 9, 30, 10 o'clock. The, the moral of the story is going to be, guys, you need to realize instructors and DJs pay a lot of more attention than you think we do um, because I had been open for about 30 minutes and John had come in there. He, 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 he remembers this. I, I got about three pages of requests right off the bat. Well... I I never play the request in order. Never. No DJ does. If you if you find me a DJ that actually plays the request in order, have them write to me. We, we can give them about four hundred and seventy two reasons why that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Jen comes in. She goes, um, "Is there a reason you're not playing requests?" I go, "What are you talking about?" She goes. I just had someone complain that you're not playing the request. I go, which ones? And she goes, these. I go, Jen, that's my third page. She goes, what? I go, that's the third page request. I go, I'm still here. I go, I'm bouncing around. She goes, okay. Wasn't even open for 30 minutes. They told her, they told Jen that they have been waiting for their songs for an hour. We weren't even open for an hour at this point. <laughs> so we go, the room's only supposed to stay open until between 12 and 1. I think I stayed open until 2 or 3 that morning because me, me and John and a couple other people closed it down. I get up the next morning. Now, Sunday mornings are usually slower. Um, I usually sit at registration with Jen. Um, for those who don't know, I do work for JC Dance Productions. I do all their floor. So me and Jen have a really close relationship. Mind you, I'm at registration sitting next to Jen when this woman comes up and starts complaining about the DJ in the in the second ballroom. Reminder, I'm the DJ from the second ballroom. I'm sitting next to Jen, and she has no idea that it's me. <laughs> she's going on and on about how I didn't do this, how I didn't do this. Not once did she realize that I was the one sitting there. So what's that tell you? Obviously, she's because she's telling Jen, I kept going up to this, him over and over and over again. If she kept coming up to me, you'd figure she'd recognize me <laughs> sitting next to Jen. She kept saying she did all this, as she waited hours among hours guys we pay a lot more attention than you think so just to give you a little heads up on that we notice stuff around us we do pay attention we're just not we're just not like John says puppets on a string we do do actually know what we're doing what we're doing <laughs> scary scary thought and again not just instructors and this is I guess this is the thing I we should have Instead it says, "What do you expect out of your instructors?" We kind of should have did this as DJs too, because mm. I, oh, well, I feel could be a whole that could probably be a episode. whole nother episode. We'll, <laughs> we'll scratch on that, but just a little side note: we don't get to leave. We don't get to walk. I go. The DJs are stuck there at night. We might play a five minute song for a dance to have a bathroom break, but we're usually stuck there. So cut cut them a
1: little slack too. Right. Realize that the DJs are trying to keep the floor full you're not the only person there yes so if you and your group and please don't take this the wrong way but if you and your group of four friends know a dance that nobody else knows they're probably not gonna play it or they'll put the song on and then stop it because no but you know you're in a room full of maybe hundreds of people or at least 50 people and four people get up that's not what the DJ wants to see they want to keep the floor full keep the energy going That's why some of the events have what we call the all-request ballroom, because then you can go in there with your four friends and request it, and it should hopefully get played at some point. Um, But be aware that probably won't happen in the main ballroom, and I've heard from many event attendees, well, they never played my song, and and I've said to them, how many people know that dance? Well, it's just one we do at our class at home. How many people here would know it? I don't know. At least my friend and I know it. I'm like, that's two people Mm -hmm. out of the 180 people in the ballroom right now. They're not going to play it in the main ballroom for you. I'm sorry. That's just not going to happen. Be aware of that, you know, it's about you, but it's not all about you. There are other customers as well. The DJ's job is to try to keep everybody happy. And that's really tricky to do, especially when you have people coming from all over the world who might not know all the same dances. And you're trying to appeal to the masses. So, yes, cut them a little slack as well. Know that this is true, like at a bar, too. I used to work for a country bar. I'll just go off on a tangent here for a quick second. But I remember this one lady. This is actually a very humorous story to me. She came up and she said, Oh, I really want to wanna hear blah, blah, blah. And I said, great. I can't play it right now because we're in a series of couples dances right now. We do two-step waltz, swing, and then we'll come back and do line dances when I get back to the line dance uh, section. I'll be glad to play that for you. As soon as the song finished, I actually played it, Literally within about 12 seconds after the song ended, the same woman came up and said, are you ever going to play my track? And I said, I just played that for you. By the way, kids, this was the one and only time I DJed at that club. After that night, I said I would never do it again. But I said, I just played it. And she's like, well, I didn't hear it. I said, well, where were you? She said, I had to pee. I was in the bathroom. Can you play it again? I said, no, I can't play it again. (laughs) So that's how, you know, that's what I mean. It's about you, but it's not all about you. There's another, there's a whole group of people there. So keep that in mind too, when you're passing judgment on the staff, be aware that most people find me and my antics highly entertaining. Maybe that doesn't suit your personality. But for the majority of the crowd, they're gonna be happy when I do what I do because that's what I do as Mr. Showcase or what Rachel does when Rachel's there or what Fred Whitehouse does when he's at an event or anybody. We bring our personality, we're trying to entertain you, but like I said, we're not your puppet. You can't mold us in your image. We're gonna be us and try to give you the best experience possible, but we're trying to give the whole crowd the best experience possible. Right, and
0: on that note, guys, um, two things about that for thing. Don't walk into an all-request room and request a song and expect it to be played right away. Too many people get upset that, that their song is not next. Mm. And the other thing is, don't come in and request a song and then run out of the room because you want to dance in the next ballroom. <laughs> I understand, and and I'm I'm gonna go off on a tangent here. Line dancers today are spoiled. Y'all are spoiled. You have we have apps where people put it up on, um, what's that? What's the, oh the dj feed dj feed dj feed or we have the screens in the ballrooms so you know what's coming up you don't have to be in there you can turn around go oh i got five songs before this but then you get upset when that dj switches that order around because it it has happened you know you're going to miss a dance you're not going to get to dance every dance you want in one night it's not going to happen
1: it just is not that doesn't make the person a bad dj and a little secret, you're not going to die because you didn't get to do that dance. It'll happen again somewhere. <laughs> I, I see so many
0: people that have, have complained and said, oh, the DJ's horrible because they didn't get to do the one dance they wanted to at night. It, it's going to happen. They're not there just to cater to you. Like, we'll use Windy City as an example. There's six, 700 people in Windy City. That's six to 700 people that those DJs have to keep happy. Now, at night, there's three ballrooms. There's the beginning room at first, it closes down early. Then there's uh, Jill's room, which is pretty much all request, and then there's JP in the main ballroom. Guess what? I'm pretty sure between the three, if you really wanted to get a dance done, and if you were patient and stayed in one room, and not just roomed hopped and roomed hopped and roomed hopped, you'd hear the song. It's gonna happen. Just it, it's that easy. But the problem is everyone gets too patient nowadays and they go – they want to leave. They want to go talk to this person and then they go, oh, well, I never got to do this dance. Guess what? If you had stayed in the ballroom, you would have known it was going to get played. You would have heard it and you would got to dance it. Choices. That doesn't make them a bad DJ. It really doesn't.
1: Just FYI. Right. Good point. So once this podcast is posted, you know, give us some feedback and let us know – really we want to know what do you expect when you attend an event yes what do you expect out of the instructors and the staff the dj what do you expect out of the event director oh that's a whole nother topic like that's what about event directors who are not at their events they just go off to i'm not gonna say but they actually leave the event and go do something somewhere else while their event is happening in real time. Is that okay? I mean, do they have a good system in place that they can trust their their volunteers to take care of everything? Is that a cool thing? I would not run off and leave my event while I was in the middle of hosting a weekend, but maybe that's just me and my work ethic. Um, so what do you guys expect? And are your expectations realistic? Are they? Are we living up to them, but are they also realistic? Are there things that you expect that maybe... Are asking a little too much, and maybe you need to, perhaps. Yeah, I feel, <laughs> and I, I, I think I, about it a little. I,
0: bit. I feel like, and I, I said this to John last night, um, as we're hanging out. I feel like there's there's a tier system, and it's and how event directors view, and, and the way event directors and attendees, and it could be different for events in the U.S. events in the U.K. You have your A-list international instructors; they're at the top. That's how everyone gives them. Everyone gives them all the thing. Then you have your A-list. American instructors, how I call it. But then you have your B-list um, international instructors. Then your DJs. Then your C-list international instructors. And then you get your B and C-list Americans. It's kind of how I feel like they're given the expectation. And attendees, attendees that's how they view. That's how everyone should be like, well, no, no, no. But then the event directors expect more out of that bottom than they do out of the top mm. and I feel it's backwards. I, I, I feel that and and this is the thing, this isn't nineteen the eighties anymore. Um, up and coming instructors, up and coming thing, we we post videos, we we dance, we choreograph, we do it five, six, seven, eight times a year. We compete in choreography competitions. We 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 have little we have our local classes. Those are the people who put in the work. Those are the people that are keeping this this industry alive. Give them a chance. They're what's going to be your future. No offense. The man sitting next to me is not going to be able to do this forever. He'll okay. admit it. But he'll <laughs> he'll admit. And we said that. Look at let's look at all the thing. Max Perry's retired. Kathy Hignatti retired. Rachel took a huge step back when now that she's had the babies. Guyton retired. How often are like some of these people like? Scott's not going to be around forever. Niels isn't going to be around forever. Right. Maggie's not going to be around forever. It's 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 that you got to have. If we don't have someone to replace them, I've I've said this on my on on my line dance radio show, the Honky Tonk Highway. If we're not training and 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 getting the up and comers into the game, they're not going to be prepared to take over the
1: reins. They're not going to be able to take over that starting position.
0: It's just, it's just, it's that just, simple.
1: I want to touch on that a little bit, Kelly. Um, burnout. Right. I've been doing this for almost three decades and I still love it. I love teaching, but the traveling is getting more and more exhausting to just go from event to event to event. Um, and you you guys out there need to realize too, like, like I said earlier, it's a lot of drain on those of us who are, who are preventing. We're, we're entertainers. We're entertaining you. Um, trying to, to bring you a good, wonderful, satisfying experience. When you have to do that every... Now, not everybody does it every week. I do it almost every week. Before the whole pandemic lockdown thing happened, I was on the road about 46 weekends out of 52 a year. That's a lot. Um, and even the instructors who aren't on the road that much, as much as that, all the traveling is exhausting. That's just as exhausting as being at the event, giving of ourselves mentally and physically to you guys to make sure you have a great time. So, we're going to talk a little bit about burnout. Some of the instructors, you know, they're we're just tired. We're tired of running around and 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 now especially it's everything seems to be every event you go to, you have to have a brand new dance. You have to bring something new because everybody's already learned. If you good lord, I could post something this morning and by this afternoon there'll be 16 videos walked through, you know, especially if my name is Fred or Shane or whoever. Yep there's going to be a whole bunch of videos posted. So now, oh, that dance is old. It's not old. It just came out. But there's this expectation that you're going to bring something new and fresh and exciting every single damn time. And that gets exhausting. You know, dances aren't staying around as long as they should either. So I distinctly remember having this conversation with Fred Whitehouse. He came over, taught a really cool dance. I think it was when um, Tampa was still happening before it became not Tampa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the Tampa Bay line dance line classic. classic. Yeah. Yep. He taught this amazing dancer. It was so cool. It was like the best dance I'd seen all year. I wanted to learn it. Took the class. Next time he came over to teach at an event, he didn't teach it. And no one had taught it here in the States. Nope. So I said, Fred, why did you not teach this dance? And he goes, that's old. I said, it's only from three months ago. Well, that's old. I said, but no one's doing it here. You need to, there needs to be repetition. And I see this because I travel all over the U.S. of A and the world. But specifically here in the United States, not everybody learns that dance right away when it comes out. So I tour dances for an entire year, right? But we're under that pressure of always having new stuff. And whatever the hottest, new you have to have a new thing. And it's got to be the coolest dance ever or no one's going to come to your class. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's that pressure as well, which I think can get, and I know because I speak to some of the other my fellow instructors my fellow staff members and they've commented about how there's just so much pressure to have new stuff all the time and people now expect you to do things online it's now an expectation you've got to have a walkthrough video or a teach video or a demo video like for every damn thing that you do well some of us don't have that capability or we don't have the time to, to do that but it's the expectation so you're putting a lot of expectations on us realize we're human beings and we need time to decompress we need time Otherwise, we're going to get burned out quicker than we should. And I'm talking about people that you know on the circuit that have been, you know, big names that are traveling around. It's it's exhausting. So we do need to encourage the younger ones, the newer ones, to come up through the ranks. But be aware, people are going to have a lot of expectations of you as you do this. And you're going to have to find out how to handle those and cope with them and stay sane.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but so on that, I, I like... I, I use this as a Scott Blevins method. Scott Scott and
0: I have talked about this before. He usually, at most, choreographs five dances a year. Usually it's right at four, and he releases them usually at the same time, right around that marath at his event marathon. Every now and again, he'll save the fourth one for, like, Vegas, near the end of the year. Um, and he still gets booked weekend and week out. He right. teaches the same dance, like... I'll be the first to say this, I've done. I've been at every event in the U.S. except for one that has happened since the pandemic. I've been at the Classic, I've been at Heart of Texas, I've been at Myrtle Beach, I've been at the Marathon, I've been at Fitz, I've been at Dancing Up a Storm. The only one I have not been at is Pikes Peak. Scott Blevins has been at Heart of Texas, Fun in the Sun, Marathon, and he's taught the same dances at all of them. Has anybody complained? No. Is he still getting booked? Yes. Is the event director bugging them to release new ones? (laughs) No. Think about that, guys. Um, And on that expectation, for you up-and-comers, and I had to learn this myself because I competed and I was writing and releasing new dances for competition. The last year I competed, I slowed down. I did less. I only did one or two here, one or two here, one or two here, and I changed the way I did things. It's okay not to have a new dance every week. It really is. It, it really is. I wrote a couple weeks ago right before dancing up a storm, I wrote my second dance in a year and a half. I wrote I rele- that I released, let me rephrase that. second dance I released. I wrote four for the competition. I only ended up releasing one a little bit, and then I released my greatest hits. That's the first two dances I released since before the pandemic. Besides the one I danced, did with Daniel Daniel Tripot. Every dance I taught during the pandemic were old dances I competed or other people's choreography. I didn't turn around and try to come up with a new dance off the spot. Trust me. I tried. It, 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 you don't need to, though. Trevor sent me a song that he goes, you really should do this to the finals. I've played it, played it, played it. Everything I put on, I didn't run. You shouldn't rush it. No offense, guys. Stop rushing it. That's my first thing, um, but you don't have to have a new dance every time you show up. Right. Competition is different, and that's a different topic, and that's to be a different day, and that's a different beast. Mm-hmm. Well, well, trust me, you're going to hear all about that topic soon enough. But for all you up and comers, take some notes from some of these instructors. You don't need, and, and you don't need to release 800 dances. And two, no offense, teach a classic. prove you can actually be an instructor.
1: I want to actually pop in and say something because this thought popped in my brain as you were talking, Kelly. Um, As an event instructor who travels all over, I have expectations of the attendees. (laughs) Um, What I would like to see most of all is stop learning so many damn dances and learn how to do them well. I'm serious. I see people who look like they're going to hurt themselves because they're not they're, it's, it's all about learn the next hottest thing learn the 24 new dances that came out monday mm-hmm. um why 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 i get it if you're excited as you know it's a choreography you love and maybe you love the song um but it just feels like and i know not everybody does this i understand that but i would like to see you guys learn how to dance better um the only reason I'm where I'm at now is because I continually try to perfect my craft. I'm talking about teaching, dancing, just as a human being, right. trying to get better constantly. That's why I'm considered Mr. Showcase on the dance scene. I wasn't always Mr. Showcase. I didn't start off this way. I started off dancing at a country bar and I had to learn how to move my body properly and learn proper foot positions and and how to to create better flow and all that kind of how to choreograph properly. I didn't know that it was, you know, and most of what I've learned has been trial by error because I didn't really have access to that kind of coaching or instruction person to person. I had to learn it myself. What I would like to see the attendees do is actually take that a little more seriously and learn how to dance better rather than learning, expecting to learn and learning 78 new dances every weekend, every event they go to, right? So I have expectations expectations of you as well. Um, Agreed. Learn To me, dance I, dance is my life. It's been my life for almost 30 years, my full-time focus. That's all I do. <laughs> um, I do other things now, too. You know, my jewelry-making stuff, started the John Robinson show, things like that. But I take dance seriously because I enjoy it. I don't know if that makes sense. I have fun with it, but I also take it seriously. It's It brings a lot of joy to my life because I know yeah. I'm bringing a lot of joy to other people. It would bring more joy to me if I see you guys taking it seriously enough as well to learn how to move your bodies right, so that it's not so much work for you. Of course, it's great to learn 16 new dances, you know, one every hour when you go to a big dance weekend. But then when you go home, you know, what have you actually gained from that? What are you benefiting from it? Just learning all these steps that then you just walk through without feeling them and and doing them well. I don't know. That's a whole other topic, I guess.
0: Right. Like I said, guys, we're going to be doing lots of these. We're going to do uh, many topics. We'll release them periodically, but send us both messages topics you want us to talk about. We'll we'll pretty much talk about anything. The two of us will pretty much talk about anything. <laughs> if you've ever listened to any of one of my honky tonk highways either the talk shows or online dance radio, you know I have no problem with asking the hard questions. And if anybody's ever been in a conversation at an event with me and John at the bar or late night or on on Sunday after pickup, after we're done breaking down, you you pretty much know me and John have no problems we're both passionate we both want to see this dance this line dance community thrive, thrive. And, and keep going and, and evolve into the, what the, what it can be and, and keep going and I think that's why we wanted to start this we want we want to see the hard questions get asked and it might cause some things to get changed for the better hopefully and hopefully I won't be fired from some of the events <laughs> I work <laughs> So, but thank you guys for listening to episode one. Um, Stay tuned. We'll come more episodes. Like I said, send us a message. We'll get on so many different topics you want to hear. And until next time, I'm Kelly Cavallero.
1: And I'm John Robinson, Mr. Showcase.
0: See ya.